Blog Talk Radio. Adjustment phase. 
and the adjustment phase uh is test is test the organizational environment uh, uh how to deal with your anger and dissatisfaction and some uh, frustration that you may have and then we move into the third phase which is uh, plan growth phase uh using uh different strategies of how you can get to your objectives in your career and the final phase that we'll talk about is a success phase, which is uh, gaining confidence and reaching uh, the milestone uh, that you're trying to uh, reach. And I have uh, did a lot of a lot of reading, and the person that I'm uh, speaking a lot in reference to is the Black Manager book written by the Dickinson. And uh, I really like this book because it's one of the first uh, books that's dealing with research of a black person going through Procter & Gamble and writing from a black perspective what the interaction uh, concerns and problems can be for uh, blacks in the workforce. And I, I think this is a very good book for every young black person to read, the black manager uh, making it in uh, corporate world. And this is Floyd Dickens, Jr. and Jacqueline B. Dickens. B. Jacqueline B. Dickens. And this morning let's talk a little bit about job skills. Some of the concerns that uh, I had and every job that I had and moving uh, up the career ladder was I, I wanted to be a part of a team and uh, but there was little direction on how to do that and most of my career was uh, working in predominantly white environments uh, there was a tremendous amount that I had to learn I had to adjust to and survive in order to uh, take care of uh, my family and move forward. Uh, I strongly suggest that you constantly read, uh, take courses to uh, be, uh, to make sure that your skill level is high. Uh, one of the first things I was, uh, strongly suggest is to uh, review uh, program letters and see what the objectives are for the year know what part uh, you play in the big picture, you know. Why are you there? You have the job. Now, what is it that you're going to have to do to keep that job? Uh, you must always remember that there is a roller coaster in your career. People are hired, people are fired, and people are laid off. And you have to make sure that you're always the one that's hired. And one of the best ways to do that is that you have to have something to offer. You must bring something to the table other than yourself. That means that you have to constantly be prepared uh, to show that you have the most to offer with your skills and your training. Therefore, it's not good to sit and watch your peers, uh, your white peers, constantly go off for training and you not go off for training because the first year you say what's the big deal I'll wait and the second year I'll wait 
in the third year I'll wait, then the fourth year I'll wait, and sometimes the fifth year I'll wait, and in the sixth year a promotion comes up. And everybody puts together their resume, and your resume says you waited the first year, the second year, third year, fourth year, and the fifth year, no training, yet your white peers have a resume with all types of training showing how they could benefit and assist the objectives of the company. I don't have to tell you what ranking that puts you at. Therefore, it's very important that you understand that uh, not only management of your company has a role in making sure that you have the skills you have to put forth for effort and make sure that you have the skills that you need to be promoted and move forward. One of the things that I found difficult for me is that uh, when I went into the predominantly white workforce, they always give you an orientation training package. And most people uh, that wrote these training packages were people who had been in their uh, field for years and did not write it from the perspective of a person coming in from the outside with no experience of working in that field, nor was it written from uh, a prospect of a person coming from a totally different culture, which I received very little from my orientation package. I had to find other ways to get the information I needed to understand, <coughs> excuse me, to understand uh, what they had wrote and what what they were trying to say. Because uh, one of the things that blacks face daily in the workforce is uh, racism, uh, sexism, and you must, you've got to learn how to deal with that. I would be, uh, it would be irresponsible on my part to tell you that all of the problems uh, that's dealing with uh, race in this country is no longer within the workforce that has totally disappeared and it's something that you will not have to face. And this issue, one of the reasons I'm making this part is because this is a taboo. We don't want to talk about this issue and that's one of the reasons why we have the divide that we have in this country and all portions of our society, especially where we work. And we spend a great deal of time at work, and we have to learn how to deal with this problem in a professional manner. As I said, uh, I was the first generation after passing the civil rights uh, laws, and uh, I'm getting ready to retire, so I don't have anything to lose, and I want to lay it out there and hoping that there is something that I can say that can make your stress level uh, much less than mine was. Uh, and one of the things that I, I learned over the years is that you must develop a black pipeline. Uh, and what I mean by that, if you're working in a workforce predominantly of white, there is going to be a network that's going to take years to become a part of. Uh, you may not ever become a part of, but you still have to find a way to get the information that you need 
to do a good job. And what I did successfully was to find blacks and work similar to what I was doing across the country and develop a network that if I ran into uh awkward position, I would uh, be able to talk to someone and ask questions. I'll give you an example. When I first came into the last job uh, that I had before I retired, uh, I came into a position as a manager of predominantly white staff, and it was a shock to them by their reaction to me. And very few people communicated to me. And I had come from a culture where if your boss did not speak to you or talk to you, that was a telltale sign it won't be long before you'd be hitting the door, you'd be leaving there. And I went for months where my boss did not even speak to me or say anything to me. When I uh, came to the job, uh, he hadn't even announced to the staff that I was coming. I was able to make contact with a black supervisor who said to me and explained to me, that you have to make the first-year probation. And in this culture, until you make the first-year probation, that you are a live bait for anybody to take a shot at to force you out of the door. And you have to, whatever you do, be to work on time, do your work, uh, stay out of trouble for a year until you pass probation. After you pass probation, then you will see the interaction towards you will change. That first year on the job is the washout phase. That's the uh, year that people are going to try to intimidate you. They're going to try to push you to the anger point. They're going to try to push you off the scene. And if he had not told me that, I would literally have blown up on the job for so many things were said to me and so many things that were done to me. And I strongly recommend that you, any job you have, you See, what is the probationary period on that job? Some is one year, some is two years, and some is three. Everyone that I had, it was one year. But understand what your rights are in probation. And uh, I learned quickly that I had no rights uh, for that first year. Uh, There was different structures on my job that created other problems for me also, and if you run into this, uh, I'm going to explain to you that there were uh, many people on my job with high school diplomas that were making $100,000 a year. And when I came in with a college degree, uh, I had to learn that uh, there was uh, some negative reaction to that, and the reason was the mass of the people did not have degrees, and uh, I would constantly hear that uh, because a person has a degree does not necessarily mean that they can be easily trained or be prepared to do the job that some of them have been doing for 20 or 30 years, and there was a resentment towards that. Uh, and if you find yourself in that situation, you have to be guarded and not be arrogant and not push yourself or uh, uh, make those working around you feel threatened. Uh, and I had to learn how to do that, and I did that by uh, trying to befriend those who were working with me and 
I did not, if the conversation came up, uh, pushed uh, that a college degree was more important within that workforce than someone not having that. There is over it, and I retired. Uh, if I hadn't had my college degree, I think I probably would not have been able to understand uh, human behavior and make the necessary adjustments that I needed to make. So I will never discourage anyone from getting a college degree because I had a professor who said to me once that if you go through the doors of an institution of learning, college or university, for four years, you are going to come out smarter than you did the first day you started. So uh, it is good to get a college degree. It reminds me of uh, looking at the world without a college degree. It's like looking to a a peephole in a door, and a college degree is like opening the door and just looking outside. It's just that bigger difference of looking at the issues and concerns of the world in a different way. So if uh, life allows you to get a college degree, always work to do that because it also gives you a path to move from one job to the next easier if you have a college degree where if you don't have a college degree, it's going to make it even more difficult. So get that degree, and it's like an insurance policy. It has it was for me for close to uh, 50 years that I could move from one field to the next because of the college degree that I had. Uh, but again, I want to uh, don't be naive about uh, racial attitudes in the workplace. Uh, uh, you know, no, no matter how well that you are versed on uh, society and discrimination practice, uh, most white managers that you work with uh, do not have the skills to deal with uh, racism. Uh, and you are going to have to indirectly uh, teach them uh, in the way you react to things in the workplace in order for you to survive uh, because it will raise its head. Uh, my entry level, uh, I had to, had to learn the hard way that one thing is very important uh, to understand. Uh, isolation just will not work in a predominantly white uh, workforce. Uh, you have to learn and find a way uh, to work as a part of the team because if you don't find a way, to work as a part of the team, you will, one, isolate yourself from the team, and two, the team will isolate you, and three, it will cause your boss to isolate you from the job because you will not be able to work and contribute to the team. So you have to work towards be, uh, 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 becoming a, a member of the team. Now, one of the ways that I use to become a part of the team is uh, I asked for a coach. I asked for a coach in that team, and most uh, organizations that I work with, that if you were a coach, it meant brownie points on your evaluation. So people were eager to say, well, I trained Daniels, and they uh, would be my coach, and that's the person I could go to if I had questions about tasks and things that I had to work on. The I also had a mentor. Uh uh, a coach was basically there to help me with my day-to-day -day tasks, and a mentor was a person who 
uh, was helping prepare me and moving me in the direction to uh, strengthen my career. And I, that mentor was a person who most times was on a level with my manager or could speak to my manager or speak to my manager's manager. And a mentor is very important uh, to have someone to speak for you in that invisible resume when you're not around. Uh, uh, don't make the mistake that I made the first year uh, in some of my earlier jobs of thinking if I stayed to myself and worked uh, by myself that everything would be okay. Uh, you need to have uh, a network, uh, and that network needs to be developed as quickly as possible. All of the non-tangible information that's needed to be successful in a predominantly white environment comes through the network. If you need to know how to do anything and do it correctly, know what the changes are or the effect of not doing it the way it should be done, it's going to be in that network. It's going to be in that, that uh, I call it, uh, that golfing uh, uh, classroom. And I'm not talking about going out to play golf. I'm talking about uh, through emails to each other, through coffee breaks, through uh, going to lunch together, uh, finding a way to talk about and be a part of that network is very, very important. And that was very difficult for me to be a part of it. I spoke about earlier that I created a, a black net, network on the uh, in other uh, parts of the country where I could get the information that I needed. But if you can figure out a way to get that information uh, at the workplace where you're working, <clears throat> that's important. I was fortunate enough that the work that I was doing in Milwaukee was also being done throughout the United States. So uh, I just look up uh, and when I would go to black organizations, pick up names, telephone numbers, and keep uh, in contact with people that was in my field, uh, people that can help me. And we're still talking about the entry level. Uh, and remember we talked about there was four levels, but we're talking about the entry level now. And uh, in the entry level, do not be surprised if you get the feeling of being dysfunctional. And what I, uh, I mean by feeling of dysfunctional is that you're going to step into a job and it's almost like you are uh, stepped off of the uh, of a road and and just jumped onto a Russian train and everybody is running and going about their business and doing the things they have to be done, and the conductor, which is your boss, is telling you we have to get this done because the next stop is coming up, this has to be completed, and next. but nobody is taking the time to sit down and explain to you where this train is headed, how fast it's running, how many passengers is on there. You have to try to fill it out, and if you're not careful, you will get stuck. I saw a lot of my peers did not make it out of the entry level because they became so dysfunctional that they had to uh, blame somebody or come up with a reason not to go forward. And a lot of them, uh, they said all of their problems that they were having was based on racism. I want to be clear, all of your problems 
uh, being dysfunctional is not uh, uh, racism. Uh, you have to not use that crutch because I've seen that crutch cause a lot of my peers to drown. You must be able to recognize racism. You must be like walking through the forest and you know there's rattlesnakes in there. And you can't say that the whole forest is ugly, the trees, the lakes, and everything, uh, because the forest is beautiful. But if you come across a rattlesnake, you must have the intelligence and the abilities and the skill to step around that snake to the point that it will not strike you. And that's how I look at racism, that it is something that's in the road that will hinder me for a short period of time, but I will find a way to get around it and get to my objectives. My objective is making the most money I can to provide the best quality of living for my family. I can. I owe it to them to give them the best that I can and not use the excuse or the crutch to come back and say the reason why I did not make it is because I did not find a way to get around the problem of racism in the workplace. It is still there. I think it will always be there. I'm hoping I won't see it in my lifetime where I will not have to have my radar screen up to see if it's showing its ugly head. And I'm saying that to you that uh, it cannot be used as, as an excuse. I've always had uh, saying about excuses that I would pass on to those that I was talking to or lecturing to or to my children Excuses, you can't buy them, you can't sell them, and you can't make love to them, so it's, there's no need for them. It's, it's a waste of time. So just throw them to the side. If you want to make money, don't even put it in your vocabulary. It just won't work. Uh, I, when I say I was dysfunctional, I was trying to say in the best way that I knew how, uh, I was not fitting in, and I was trying to uh, balance that and trying to find a way to uh, fit in. But one of the things that I look back over my career and I can see that some of the problems that I was running into with my interest level, I was more focused on uh, tasks, meaning if the task was writing a report on training today, that was my focus. But when I look back, is the uh, whites who were working around me Yes, they were focused on their task also, but they were not so, all of their energy was not towards that particular task, but they were uh, doing and thinking and planning to do things for their career. I would understand it sometimes. For example, I would be working to complete a report that had to be uh, done in six weeks, and my white peer would say, who's working on a different report, say, well, I'm going to be gone for two weeks of training, and I'll, uh, I'll see you when I get back. And I would say to myself, how can you stop in the middle of doing that report and take off for training, and I know you haven't completed it, and come back? But I learned over the years that he knew something that I didn't know. He knew that his training was more important than one particular task. And it, it never failed that when it was time for promotion, that one who had uh, constantly been uh, stepping aside for some of the tasks, not all the tasks, stepping aside for the tasks and getting approval from the manager to get the necessary training that they needed. 
they were getting promoted. So I learned the hard way. You better pay attention to the training, the, the training train. I call it you better get on that train that's going towards training because it will make a difference when you uh, go to make best and finals for a promotion. Uh, you know, one of the things you hope you will see uh, in the entry level is role modeling of what the job at entry level is and how important it is. And and, and I had to, again, I had to look outside of the uh, unit to find this. Now, we're coming close to the uh, end of this program, and I'll probably be able to talk uh, more about that next week. But, again, I want to say that my white peers I was constantly focusing on their future their career. There is a different look the job when you are looking at just the job instead of looking at the career. Career is a long path. The job is a short path. You need to focus on the short path. That's important. But it's also important that you focus on the long path and make sure that there is a homogenized blend to that it will give you a successful career. Uh, I, I'm one of the things when I'm talking about the uh, role modeling, you know, I said to you I was the first generation out of uh, uh, slavery, uh, not slavery, but the Jim Crow. And basically, that meant that my white peers could go home and talk to their parents who had been in management, or brothers or uncles who had been in management. And I did not have that, so I had to find ways to uh, get that information that I needed. But we got, uh, this is the end of this section, and I would like to say to you, I will be back uh, again next week, and I will be still talking on the entry level. And this time we're going to be talking about uh, the different roles, modeling, examples that you should be looking for in the workplace to make sure that you are successful. Again, I want to say uh, thank you, and I've enjoyed this part, and see you next week.